I don't know about you guys, but I, I genuinely cannot wait for Deion Sanders to be part of the Big 12 Conference because some days I love him and some days I just can't stand him. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Welcome in. Thanks for being a part of the show. So uh, we're in that kind of awkward period between a bowl season, the regular season, the playoff, but there's still a lot happening in the Big 12 Conference. Hit that subscribe button if you're a Big 12 fan or just a college sports fan in general. Uh, we give you these shows multiple times a week on YouTube and, of course, on the podcast as well. Hit that five-star rating and review. So I'm already, as someone who owns this operation at Heartland College Sports, I am already counting down the days to Deion Sanders being in this league because it is going to be so fascinating, so fun, and so wildly polarizing. I just know it. I like I, I am so excited for Dion and I'm a kid who grew up rooting for Dion Sanders. Like I loved in the mid nineties the Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Dion Sanders Cowboys. I, I really did. But there are some days like this week when I just want to be like, Dion, what are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? Dion Sanders, if you didn't see it, uh, gave an interview to People magazine. What other 4-8 football coach gets interviews with People Magazine? By the way, what other football coach gets interviews with People Magazine? College, NFL. How many interviews has Bill Belichick, or how many Super Bowls has Bill Belichick won, and when has he gotten a sit-down interview with People Magazine? If you don't understand what Deion Sanders means to college football and what he will mean to the Big 12 – Find me another coach right now that People Magazine would want to talk to. And they want to talk to the guy that just went 4-8. and eight. <laughs> Think about that, right? And isn't playing in a bowl game. So Deion Sanders tells People Magazine in an interview this week, quote, you always wish that you had a little more privacy. But the same thing that makes you shine will show your blemishes. So you've got to take the good with the bad. You just can't want everyone there when the hype machine is rolling. You have to understand there's another side to this. And that's exactly right. There is another side to this. Deion Sanders in Colorado were the toast of college football in the month of September. And I blame TCU, by the way. Where's my fear the frog right there, for those of you watching on YouTube? I blame TCU. TCU was a 21-point favorite in that week one game. Colorado came into Fort Worth and beat them. And it turned out TCU was ranked in the top 25. TCU was not any good this year. Sorry, TCU. You guys weren't any good. But because we overreact to preseason rankings in college football, the Dion hype machine was off and running. And then they closed the season losing, what, seven of eight games? Uh, it was a nightmare for them. And I, you know, they beat Nebraska. And Nebraska stunk too. Like, in hindsight, it was ridiculous, but it was perfect for college football. It was the non conference. College football is always looking for storylines in the non conference. And there is no bigger storyline in this sport than Deion Sanders as an individual. And they got exactly what they wanted in that first month of the season. But yes, with the good comes the bad. And there was a lot of bad as this season went along for Colorado. You know, I don't know if the Dion thing's going to work. I really don't. I have no idea. 
You know what I do know? You know what I feel confident about? There's no doubt in my mind. It is going to be next season, the most fascinating storyline in the Big 12. Like, I'm saying it right now in December of 2023. Deion Sanders will be the best storyline in the Big 12 in 2024. And I can say that without knowing anything about any of the other teams. Heck, I don't know how good Colorado is going to be next year. But I know the storylines are going to write themselves. So now, and, and, and do you know how good Dion is at his job when it comes to being a personality? One day you love him, the next day you hate him. Now, this is a very interesting question that just came across YouTube Live. Pete, had Dion been the coach of a one-loss Florida State this year, the Knowles would magically be in the college football playoff. There is zero doubt in my mind that that is an accurate statement. Had Deion Sanders been the head coach of Florida State, the Knowles would be in the college football playoff. That is an entirely accurate statement. That's a great point, too, on YouTube. Well done. Greg, love the show. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. We're rolling through some of your comments here on YouTube Live. So now we're getting to the point of the season, of course, where there's less football games, but we've still got football to talk about. So we're going to be doing that here on the show. Um, if you didn't see this, speaking of former Pac-12 schools, or I guess soon to be, what are these going to be, the Pac-2? Uh, Texas Tech is working on swapping a planned road trip to Oregon in 2024 for a road game at Washington State instead on the same date. And I like this idea a lot. I don't know what the future is for Washington State and Oregon State. I really do feel bad for both of them. I, I do. Like, frankly, if the Big 12 is going to keep expanding, I would grab those teams over a Gonzaga. And I've said that much a million times. No one wants to listen, but I've said as much. I, I don't get the appeal of a Gonzaga, but you know what? Oregon State, they just lost Jonathan Smith, and that hurts. But Oregon State's got a good football program. Washington State has proven it can have success under a guy like Mike Leach. Like, they've both done it. So if the Big 12 is going to look anywhere, I'd look at the Pac-2. But I'm good with the Big 12 scheduling Washington State, Oregon State, because it props them up a little bit. It keeps them competitive. It keeps them in the conversation. It allows them to play some quality power five, power four, I guess we call it now, opponents. I like everything about it. And, um, you know, I would be fine with other Big 12 teams saying, hey, we'll schedule Washington State in the non-con. Now, you know, everyone can't do it because the non-con is only three, four weeks. But I think it's a smart play for Texas Tech. And it's, by the way. I think it's in many ways the right thing to do for those teams as well. So I'm a big fan of that. And when I saw Texas Tech doing that, I said, that is great. Good for you, Tech. Good on you. Um, I respect her, Kirby Hocutt and what they're doing there. And I like that move a lot. Now, one of the biggest stories of the week in the Big 12 Conference has been the drama at Kansas State. So let's get to this here. Let's start on the football field where there's been a tremendous amount of drama. On the football field, Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, left for Texas A&M. Now, I was surprised when we started reporting on these rumors how many K-Staters were like, he's never going to leave. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to do it. No way. A&M, we don't have the numbers yet. But A&M undoubtedly dropped a boatload of money in the Colin Klein's lab. 
Now, it might not work out. Colin Klein could hang out at K-State for the next 10 years, take over for Chris Kleiman, and you know he could be in Manhattan until the end of time. But something tells me there's always going to be a home in Manhattan for Colin Klein. And right now, he goes down the college station. He gets to try to prove himself in the SEC. He's with a much better head coach in Mike Elko than Jimbo Fisher. Not than Chris Kleiman, but better than Jimbo Fisher. And he gets to see what he's got in the SEC. I don't blame him. I don't begrudge him. But when K-State fans were acting like the sky was falling, I I know you've got a personal connection to the guy. I know he was, of course, a Snyder quarterback, Heisman finalist. But I thought it was wildly disrespectful the way Kansas State fans were reacting to Colin Klein leaving as offensive coordinator. And it was disrespectful to Chris Kleiman. It's like, you've got a guy as head coach who has been around the block, who has won natties at the FCS level, who has won Big 12 titles as recently as, oh, I don't know, check my watch, 12 months ago. This program is Chris Kleiman. I know the fan has the emotional tie to Colin Klein, but this is Chris Kleiman's program. Chris Kleiman is the reason for the success. And with all due respect to Colin Klein, he's a good offensive coordinator. Colin Klein called one of the worst first halves slash three quarters of football of the year against Texas when he thought he could beat the Longhorns running between the tackles when everyone in America who had watched five minutes of the Texas defense knew you were not going to get through that defensive line on the ground. So I think it's a loss. I love Colin Klein. You know, watched him at Kansas State, obviously, like many of us did. But let's not disrespect Chris Kleiman here. Oh, the sky is falling. The program's going to come to an end because Colin Klein left for AM. He's been the OC for a couple of years. I mean, let's just pump the brakes here. Program's going to be fine, more than fine. Klein's going to, Kleiman's going to get his guy. And by the way, Avery Johnson is staying. I was shocked also how many people were like, Avery Johnson's going to leave now, you know. Come on, guys. It's, it's, that, that was, I thought, always highly unlikely. And then Avery Johnson confirmed on Thursday that he's not going anywhere. So let's just relax. Let's give Chris Kleiman his credit, his due, and understand that the success that this man has had as a college football coach is uh, more than proven himself to the point where he is the program, not the offensive coordinator who, God bless him, was a Heisman finalist in Manhattan, but has been on the job for two years and was far from perfect. That's just the reality. Let him go spread his rings, as Chris says on uh, Facebook Live. Let him take a shot in the SEC. Who knows how it'll go for him, and we'll all play it out and see how it goes from there. That's all that we need to say, and we wish him well. I wish Colin Klein well. I don't wish A&M well, by the way. I want A&M to go 0-12 next year, but Colin Klein's offense averages like 52 points a game, and they lose every game like 53 to 52. Because uh, I'm going to root for Colin Klein, but I just I can't root for the Aggies. I just can't do it. Even though Mike Elko seems like a good guy, there's no way I'm going to pull for the Aggies. But I'll pull for Colin Klein. So I'm pulling for A&M to lose a lot of high-scoring shootouts next year. That's what I'm rooting for. The bigger picture here, though, is that I am concerned about the Big 12 losing coaches to the SEC and the Big 10. 
as the power two break away from everybody else. It used to be a power five. Pac-12's going away. Now we're off to, of course, a power four with the ACC and the Big 12. But we saw Kansas lose its OC to Penn State. We've seen Klein now go to A&M. And this has been happening a little bit the last couple of years. I am concerned that the Big 12 is going to become a poaching ground for the Big 10 and the SEC as those schools just have more money because of their TV contracts. And it really does become a power two with the Big Ten and the SEC. And then there's kind of like, all right, the Big 12 and the ACC and whatever the Pac-2 are and then the group of five. And, and you know, we go down from there. But the Big 12's got to figure out how to best retain its coaches. Because right now, if, Penn, if a major SEC program or Big Ten program wants one of your coordinators We've seen these guys, they will make that lateral move. We're not talking about wide receiver coaches getting their shot as OC. We're talking about OC to OC, and that's what's happening. So I, I, I am concerned for the future of the Big 12 on the football field, that that's going to become more prevalent, and what that might mean come college football playoff time, if the Big 12 is going to be at a major disadvantage. But it is something that, that has to be monitored going forward, and these teams are going to have to open up the pocketbooks. And a lot of them are. I mean, uh, Kansas was, was paying the OC well there. He was making really good money. But listen, Penn State's going to offer even bigger money. That's just how it's going right now in this sport. A&M, I mean, we know they have stupid money. They're paying Jimbo Fisher 70-some-odd million dollars to never coach again. That's insane money. So we know that's going to be there. But the Big 12 to keep up is going to have to make sure that it is doing its job. And they're also spending the money they need to spend on the football field. I'm less worried about basketball because basketball is a much cheaper sport to run, just less personnel, less people, smaller roster. But on the football field, you want to keep up with those two, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. So you're going to have to watch that and watch it uh, very, very closely. And we'll be doing that here on Heartland College Sports. Now, the biggest drama of the week, Aquan Tomlin, Kansas State basketball player, is no longer with the team. And, I mean, it has been a crazy week. This is the guy who got into the bar fight in Aggieville and ended up in a situation where apparently, you know, he hit somebody, he was suspended from the team, no one's known what's been going on for the last few weeks, now we know he's no longer with the team. There were protests Campus, in of this, the last couple of days, it has been an ugly situation. The rumors are flying all over the place about what happened to Naquan Tomlin. I'm not going to go into those rumors because I can't confirm or deny them right now. So I don't want to talk about them without having the information and having it firm. Or at least having it firmly from people I trust, and I just don't have that yet. But you have had a situation here where it has been, I mean, just an ugly, ugly couple of weeks for Kansas State trying to figure out this Naquan Tomlin thing. And one thing that we know, one thing that appears to be very obvious is that there is a there is an issue between the athletic department to some degree, notably Jerome Tang, the basketball coach who just got this team to the Elite Eight last year, and uh, the president of the school. And that is very problematic. That is one of those things where you have an issue between one of your premier head coaches 
and the university president at K-State, it's Richard Linton, where there were protests out home this week. That's one of those things that will cause a Jerome Tang to walk out the door. I don't want that to happen for Kansas State. Jerome Tang has been a godsend for this program. Look what he did in year one. He's a great man. He's a man of faith. He's the man that you want to run your program. And if he's going to have president, if the president is sticking his nose in places that he shouldn't be sticking, then there could very well be a problem here that Kansas State basketball, and broadly speaking, Kansas State athletics is going to struggle with. Because if Jerome Tang wants to go somewhere, Jerome Tang's going to get a job. Jerome Tang's going to be fine. He's going to go wherever he wants to go, and life is going to be good for him. He proved as much last year. So I don't want to see this, but it is real. There is a problem, it seems like, between the administration and the athletic department. How deep it goes, who's on whose side, that all remains to be seen. But there is undoubtedly a problem there, and it needs to be addressed, and it needs figured out. So it is worth watching. We're going to follow it here at Heartland College Sports, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you've got the most up-to-date information. So let's go through some of your comments here uh, on Facebook Live and also on Twitter. Chris says about the coaches, Pete, it's about money. Yes, it's a power two. Big 12 needs a national championship desperately. Texas winning this year doesn't count. Got to catch lightning in a bottle with one of our cooler schools. You know, uh, Chris, that brings up an interesting question. Which Big 12 team, let me ask you guys here, and you can comment on YouTube Live and Facebook Live. I, I want to see what you're going to say. Which Big 12 team is most likely to make the first college football playoff at 12 teams? Now, basically what I'm saying here is who's going to win the Big 12 next year? Who's most likely? I mean, you could probably make the case for a half dozen teams, which means the Big 12 is going to be a lot of fun, but fun, to the point of Chris there, doesn't mean national championship. It just means fun. So I'm just reading some of your comments here. Uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, some of the early answers. Hey, what about Arizona next year coming in? Right? Uh, what about Utah? They are always at the top. So, you know, I mean, does UCF get better in year two under Gus Malzahn? They've recruited very well. Will Texas Tech bounce back? What does TCU do in the portal? They're two years removed from a national championship run. There's a lot of cases to be made. Kansas, let's not forget, right? Uh, so there's a lot to look at. That makes you say the Big 12 is going to be wide open. The Big 12, and this is going to take away from the fun, but the Big 12 needs to develop a batch of blue bloods. And that can take up to five years. They need five, I mean, really three teams that you know year in, year out are going to compete top 10, top 15 in the country. Kansas State's close to that. Oklahoma State's close to that. Iowa State could do it. But you really have to find those three teams that you know Year in, year out, these are the teams to beat. These become our blue bloods in the Big 12. You need those. You need to have the teams where the calendar is circled for those games. The Big 12 doesn't have it right now. You know, they've lost those blue bloods. The last two to go, of course, Texas and OU. It's going to mean we're going to have a hell of a lot of fun in this conference next year. No one's going to have more fun than we are in the Big 12. 
And you're going to be along for the ride here on YouTube and Facebook Live and the podcast. But I'm telling you, you got to develop those kinds of teams. And it's anybody's guess who they're going to be. Heck, BYU could become one. It's going to take a little time, but they could do it. So there is so much that we're going to be talking about. Yes, we're going to preview bowl games coming up. I'm going to get you to my bowl game picks in the next couple of weeks. That's why you want to be here on this show. Hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode if you're on YouTube. Thank you for doing that. Hit the thumbs up as well on the video. That helps us tremendously. And on the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. And if you want one for the new year, I still got the Heartland College Sports Koozies I'm sending out here. You just got to uh, send me a screenshot of your rating and review on iTunes to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And for those of you commenting on the uh, show, we love you. We appreciate you. And you should join our members forum. It's a free message board interacting with Big 12 fans. Go to heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on members forum at the top of the page. And um, I'm there all the time interacting with our fans, with our readers, with our listeners, with our viewers. So thank you guys for being here. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon on heartlandcollegesports.com. Take care.